Well, welcome this is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Stefan Weidner. Stefan, are you ready to do this? I'm ready to do this, George. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you on. Let's go. Stefan is the CEO of Numi.com and Zarango.com. He's a psychological safety training and high-performance leadership expert. Stefan, tell us a little about your personal life, some more about your work, why you do what you do. Well, um, I'm like many people. I'm married. I got kids. That's my number one in my life. You know, I uh, I work to provide for them, but of course. My work is more than just uh, punching the clock. I also do really meaningful work and I love working with people. I love working with organizations to have them feel like they can show up at work. And uh, and if you're running an organization, you create an environment where folks can show up, be their best and have a voice at work. I think that's really, really critical. People, I think it's something like 70% of folks show up at work and don't feel like their voice matters. And that sucks because I know that affects your ability to really lean in, do good work, do work that's meaningful and uh, affects change. Amen. So what is psychological safety training? Well, let's start with psychological safety. What is it? Uh, The clinical definition, I guess, if you want to use Amy Emmonson's definition, she's the woman out of Harvard who's really pioneering research on psychological safety. Her definition is that it's a belief that within your work environment, you can speak up, say what's on your mind, express concerns, even admit mistakes without any fear of reprimand. So there's no perceived social consequence for speaking up and you know you and i could everyone can likely relate to being in a classroom and hesitating to stick your hand up and say uh excuse me i I have a question and why would we hesitate we hesitate because we don't want to seem like we're stupid or uh we haven't done our homework or or however people might perceive us that's the social consequence we're talking about here it's pretty subtle so it's not necessarily hey if i speak up here i'm going to get fired that might be one of the consequences but probably a much more subtle consequence is one where you just think people might think you're dumb or maybe you're oppositional or you, you see what i mean by how it affects us 100 percent. how long yeah, have you been so, doing the, how long have you been doing this work yeah so i got introduced to the concept in 2019 when i read amy emmonson's book the fearless organization and I've really uh, jumped in ever since then. And I mean, yeah, I guess I've been, I learned about the concept psychological safety at that time. However, um, I was likely doing work in and around that already, right? Trying to create environments where people could thrive and be excited to show up at work. And when I got that definition and read the book, it really kind of crystallized a lot of the work that we'd been doing up until that point. What I realized up until that point, we were doing a lot of coaching, a lot of one-on-one coaching for senior leaders and middle managers and various people within an organization. And almost every time those leaders were trying to learn how to delegate better, or have better executive presence or, you know, whatever words we do use to describe it, ultimately what they were trying to do is be a better manager, foster more teamwork within their work environment. And so when I came across the word psychological safety, it was like, ah, oh, that's what they're all trying to do. <laughs> Hit the nail on the head. Well, I don't know if there's too many, I mean, certainly timely um, with everything that's going on with cancel culture and, I mean, aggressions, micro, macro, actual aggression, all, all of these things and our fear 
of of speaking up for everything you've been talking about, I think is pervasive. I think that we're in our own echo chambers. And so it seems like there are just so many different applications for this 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 work or so many different things that point to how important this is. I can't agree more. Uh, every major headline you read in the news likely has some connection to psychological safety, right? Whether it's Elon Musk firing people at Twitter to um, tensions between countries that are at war (laughs) and everything else. I think psychological safety touches all of us all the time, even when we're not necessarily aware of it. And you do work all over all over the world, North America. Um, our work is predominantly in English-speaking countries, in and mostly in North America. But we do some work in the UK, in India, in Australia. So it it varies, but again, most of it, eighty percent, is in North America. So as you are talking with would be with uh, prospective clients, or you're talking to your existing clients. Are they just are, are, are do do people recognize the timeliness of this that they feel like many of us feel like we're walking on eggshells and that this is necessary? I think so. Absolutely. A lot of people are familiar with the concept, but not necessarily the, ty- the, the name of it, the label of it. And so a lot of organizations will talk about, say, trust or um They'll talk about trying to be or being an anti-racist organization. You know, these are some of the words and language that I'm hearing in the in the workplace. Um, But I think what happened with COVID is that we had this increasing or this huge volume of people who are suddenly working from home. And that created a massive blur between what used to be two separate concepts, work life and home life. And they, they just became totally blurred. And we started to also recognize the value in the, in the need for mental health because so many people were stuck in a 400 square foot apartment, uh, you know, navel gazing all bloody day and couldn't leave. <laughs> so uh, mental health became a massive concern. And so I think a lot of organizations are starting to wake up well, they woke up, they really started to realize that we need to have some really important conversations that in the past we would have considered uh, taboo or not appropriate for the workplace. Is your work, for lack of a better term, agnostic? Are, 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 I don't, I, my guess is that you are not advocating for one thing over another you're not saying well we, we, we all better put masks on or we nobody should wear a mask it's let's have the ability to express our opinions whatever they might be i think that's a good way of putting it george yeah i would say our perspective is to be agnostic uh what we recognize is that there's always multiple perspectives on any particular issue and what's important is that those perspectives are heard and understood and appreciated. So what we see in the workplace is that many managers or leaders are concerned that by giving or expressing curiosity around the opposing point of view, that we have to somehow agree with it. And that's not necessarily what we're advocating with, advocating for here. We're advocating for that open dialogue so that 
everyone feels like they can express their perspective so that there's mutual understanding, not necessarily mutual agreement. That's certainly a really, really important thing right there. Mutual understanding. We're not striving for everybody to think the same thing because that would suck. That would suck. (laughs) (laughs) That is not the end goal. (laughs) Yeah. So we want to maintain diversity, right? We want to maintain um, diversity of thought and opinion and, and, and be able to coexist with multiple different perspectives, not always necessarily agreeing. So how does it start? I imagine it starts that the, the leader of the organization or the C-suite, whoever's running the show, creating the vision, creating the agenda, needs to be on board with this. That, I would say, is the uh, that's the ideal scenario, that you have someone like the CEO uh, really owning the project, right, and being able to put some funds behind it and model the behaviors that they want to see etc. So that's that's an ideal scenario. And I would say that, especially for listeners who are not at the C-suite, right, that your middle manager or even frontline worker or wherever you exist within the organization, I have also seen success where it starts uh, organically some other o- origin within the organization. It doesn't have to be at the top because there are lots of what we call internally as like rogue managers who they just want the best for themselves and their team and are willing to um, create an environment of psychological safety within their team and then defend that team or stand up for that team externally to the rest of the organization. And ideally, when you can start to create pockets of psychological safety, it will spread organically throughout the organization. I think of psychological safety as closely relating to culture. And culture is often perceived as this like, large amorphous thing that you know it's there and yet you can't necessarily touch it or feel it and 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 change it all that easily so i i think of culture as like your weather system so imagine a map of the united states or north america and across that large geographic space you're going to have pockets of hot weather and rain and sun and <laughs> you know all the different weather uh, systems occurring at the same time, but in different areas. And I see psychological safety as like the climate in a, a particular city or state or region versus culture, which is the entire weather system. And so what we can try to do is affect the local temperature, like the temperature in your team. And that's where you start. So start there and go out um, ideally organically from there, where suddenly other teams are going to go, hmm. Look at what those folks are doing. Maybe we can do some of that ourselves. That makes a ton of sense. It'd be great if if an organization with 100,000 employees, just the CEO said, we're doing this, and it just naturally just went down to all of them, but more. Uh, but it's certainly possible that within each unit of, of, of business or within each region that, that you could do what you just described. So I think that using the culture as a weather is a great, uh, it's a great mm-hmm. sort of analogy or metaphor. Mm-hmm. I think what you want to look for in that particular situation, just to sort of sum it up, is look for those ambassadors, like the psychological safety ambassadors. And they could be managers. They could be in HR. Who knows where they are? But there's likely to be some people who are like, I think that's awesome. I want to be a, a champion for that initiative and and give them the resources and the, um, the time to be able to invest in 
embracing that concept internally and see how it unfolds naturally as opposed to stuffing it down, right? Like trying to uh, impose it from the top down. So what is, what is a, what is a perfect scenario? We, we, we need training. So I, I, I need competency on how to do this. Is it also, it's, is, is it also structure of different meetings? Kind of walk me through that. Well, uh, I would say that there's no like single formula, George. It's not like you can go out and buy a psychological safety and now you have it. It First of all, it, it changes like a weather system, right? One day it might be sunny and warm, but guess what? You wake up the next morning and there's a bit of a chill in the air uh, <laughs> because of something that someone said. So, uh, so it's an amorphous thing. And I would say that um, in order to foster psychological safety, first thing you need to do is uh, tune into it and make it a priority. And then secondly, I think you want to look at systemic change. So it, you, you want to look at everything from, you know, the meetings you conduct or to your uh, compensation policies, because you might have compensation structures and bonus structures that are really counterproductive when it when it comes to psychological safety. Um, and you want to look at your technical system. So include your IT people and your systems people, like what kind of software are we using to facilitate discussion between different silos and different departments? And, and okay, we have the technology, but now how do we use it properly? So now we start getting into some training. And so maybe you need some training on how to use software or how to do project management. For us, the specific training that we focus on, which is by no means the be all end all of fostering psychological safety in an organization, the training we focus on is the interpersonal skills of managers. And it's one thing to say, um, oh, I'm really sorry your dog died. And, oh man, I'm really sorry your dog died. <laughs> right? It's the same words, but the way you say it. And, and so we focus on making sure that managers have that curiosity to uh, because our definition of psychological safety is it's the courage to speak up and the confidence to know you'll be heard. So we're training managers in making sure people have the courage to speak up. And when they do, you're really acknowledging it. You're celebrating it. You're letting them know they've been heard and understood and appreciated so that the next time when you ask them, they're going to speak up again. I love it. Confidence. Courage to speak up, confidence to know that you'll be heard. Yeah. So, it strikes me that you know uh, that an engagement could be just years, years long as you dive into every single aspect of an organization, or it could be more limited if an organization has fewer resources but they still want to do this. Well, I think that uh, you're right. <laughs> it can be a long initiative, right? Like how how long is a uh, how long, how much time and resources do you want to throw at it? And I think you want to try to at least build up the competency internally as much as possible. So we're not always trying to um, work with organizations forever. We kind of want to work ourselves out of a job. And uh, and so um, I think having a limited amount of resources should not be a reason not to strive toward building psychological safety in your organization. I think it's a worthy goal for any and every organization. And we also know this to be true, that um, psychological safety 
why is it important? I don't think we really answered that question in the first place, George. And psychological safety is important because it links, it's directly linked to high performance. So we know that the best teams have the highest degree of psychological safety and the worst teams have the lowest degree of psychological safety. And just, I think for the average listener, you could probably all relate to being on a team where it just feels awesome. You know, you feel like you can give your best and then other teams where you have to really bite your lip and, and you know, be careful and mindful about what you say and when you say it, because there isn't that degree of psychological safety and that doesn't feel awesome. And so, um, you know, it's all about high performance and in particular, high performance and innovation, because that's how teams learn. Teams learn by sharing information, right? Uh, if we're going to solve a complex problem, we can't do so unless we hear from all the different perspectives in the room. And um, sure, it takes time to hear all those different perspectives, but having them allows better decisions to be made, which then ultimately saves us time. So yeah, I that's... think it's an it's an initiative worthy of 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 some effort and some time and whatever limited resources you might have. Yeah, it does sound like there's a there's a, a very clear business case for it. Um, we started off talking about how a lot of the reasons that people don't raise their hand, even when 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 I was a kid in class, right? I'm like, oh, I, I think I know the answer, but I, I, I'm not sure. I don't want to say sound stupid, so I'm not going to say anything. And that if that unfolds, and I'm working in an organization, and we're trying to be innovative. Well, if I'm sitting on my hands because I'm nervous that you know, people are going to make me look bad or I'm going to look stupid. There's no way that I'm ever going to raise my hand and get my idea out there. So that's for sure going to be limiting. And what you're pointing to there too, George, is to some degree how we're socialized and how we're brought up and maybe the culture that we live in. Because while I've done very limited amount of work in, say, Japan, my understanding about the Japanese culture is, one, you do not speak up especially if it's to someone who's an elder or senior who is respected. It's just not something you do in your culture. Or maybe as a, a young female, you are socialized different than the young boys in your household or in your community. So we, we need to unpack that. Like, how does that affect um, how people show up and speak up and when they speak up and making sure that they feel safe because I think every individual has their own perceptions about how safe it is to speak up in the room. It's not a, it's not a valid. It, so the, it's not a quality of the space that you're in, right? It, because if it was, then everybody would feel the same way, but they don't, everyone has a different perception there. So um, there's a lot to unpack when you <laughs> start to open up the conversations around psychological safety and, how everybody perceives it differently. Yeah, I love it. That makes a ton of sense. Well, Stefan, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you and your companies? Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, uh, I'm always I'm reasonably active on LinkedIn. Uh, so I'd love for people to hook up and connect with me there. So it's uh, linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash S. Weedner, S is my first initial and Weedner, my last name, or just search for my full name there and you'll find me. And then alternatively, uh, what I'd love to do, George, is help people. If you're a manager or even a team member, if you want to assess the psychological safety in your team, 
we can do that. So we have a very simple assessment that we use. Uh, it's called the Fearless Organization Scan, which we're partners of. And uh, we'd love to have uh, folks reach out and get a free assessment of their team. Um, the URL for that is zarango.com, Z-A-R-A-N-G-O.com forward slash free PSI. PSI stands for Psychological Safety Index. So check it out, fill out the form, and let's get you started by measuring the psychological safety in the team. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Stefan your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to zarango.com slash free PSI, Z-A-R-A-N-G-O.com slash free PSI, and take advantage of that psychological safety assessment. Find out how your team is doing. You can find Stefan on LinkedIn. It's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-W-I-E-D-N-E-R. And I'll list all the other ways in the in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Stefan. Uh, thank you, George. It was a real pleasure. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.